1: Welcome to the Living Your Life with Leanne Lang podcast. Welcome back to my awesome weekly listeners and to anyone who is new to the podcast. Typically, I would be recording either from the Extension Marketing Studios or from Blast Podcast with COVID-19 and social distancing. We are recording now through Skype and special thanks to John Milky from Blast podcast for being on the other line and making sure that we can sound as best as we can these days. It's an exciting week for Kent McLeod with the launch of his latest book, Biology of the Brain, How Your Gut Microbiome Affects Your Brain. I had a chance to talk to Kent over two years ago when he was one of my very first guests on the podcast. I was incredibly grateful for the conversation and it shifted the way I looked at medicine, natural health, preventative health, and the power we as individuals have on our own bodies. Kent, the founder and CEO of NutriCam Compounding Pharmacy and Clinic, is an international thought leader and award-winning pharmacist. He has over 35 years of clinical experience delivering patient-centered healthcare and is globally recognized as a hormone health and nutrition expert, lecturing on the gut's microbiome, hormones, mental health, Down syndrome, pediatrics, pain management, as well as pharmacology. In The Biology of the Brain, Kent breaks down why modern medicine is killing people instead of healing them. Instead of leaving the problem as it stands, he provides clear, actionable steps to not only heal your microbiome, but to restore your brain health and get your life back. And we aren't talking about a bloated stomach or stomach pains. The microbiome affects every single aspect of our health from disease to chronic inflammation and obesity and especially to our mental health from depression to anxiety stress management even sleep disorders all disease starts in the gut that quote from hippocrates the father of medicine and that is exactly where we are going today so kent so excited to be able to have you back here today i'm i'm excited for you and congratulations on this book as i as i showed you i had like yellow highlighted marks on like almost all of the pages. This is exciting. This is a big project for you.
0: Yeah, it was kind of something that after all these years of my life that it, it kind of bridged, you know, the chemistry and biology. I I think it's kind of like the moment and, and it's the bridge between drugs and natural medicine is the microbiome. It's something that everyone agrees scientifically is really important so it bridges all that that confusion do you know what i mean i mean it's still complicated but it's that bridge that almost your whole life you've been waiting for
1: Well, for you, it's 35 years of being in the business. And I think for a lot of years, and I know we talked about this in our original podcast, was the deprescribing of medicine. You know, that became a a passion for you and understanding why people were sick. What was the root cause in the first place? But to have all of this information now and to have science backing a lot of this, was it nice to know, my goodness, I can put this in a book and people will actually read it and understand it and want to make changes.
0: You know it's it's really true I think 30 you know in the in the 80s you, we would actually hand out buckets of antibiotics you know we would we I would buy jugs of antibiotics and pallets of antibiotics for kids and we'd hand them out and I would argue you know for colds and flus and bronchitis where they were clearly proven not to be effective and I would be arguing with doctors and my clients, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. And, and they always would say, what's the harm? You know, we're just preventing something more risky. There is no harm in taking all these antibiotics. And you know what? Before, when we didn't even know the word, the microbiome, maybe they were right. We just were concerned about antibiotic resistance. We weren't even aware that we were destroying this crucial organ that was so important called the microbiome.
1: Okay. So that's where this question comes in. So let's answer that first topic. What exactly is the microbiome? I think you do an amazing job in the book describing it, but take us through right now for the listeners, how you would best exemplify it. So
0: the microbiome is hiding in plain sight, right? It's, it's essentially the bacteria that reside most of, mainly in your gastrointestinal system, right? It's the hundred trillion bugs that live in your bowel and in your gut, that have over 10,000 species. There's more cells in your in your microbiome than your whole body, and it is incredibly biologically active. It's essentially, it's a, it's a have endocrine and exocrine functions. It has direct, it's, it's, it's legitimately an organ in its own right.
1: Okay, so the thing is, is that you can think, okay, well, maybe it's a little off. You know, or how does even one recognize what is happening in their microbiome? If they're healthy and, you know, things are fine, it's, they don't really notice it or we're not really paying attention to it. So when would you start looking or when do people actually take into account what's happening if they're not feeling well? And I know that you're going to go through a number of lists of things that might be causing or what people might be feeling as the symptoms when it is out of whack.
0: You know... The most obvious things is digestive problems. And so there's a at least 50% of the population is suffering from some type of digestive problem, whether it's constipation or diarrhea or bloating, gas, heartburn. So it's it's a real it's 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 a lot of people with the obvious problems. And you know, and sometimes, you know, when people have and, and then there's the other part of it is things like uh, weight regulation, that people have trouble losing weight, that people have skin problems. So we are now determining that chronic uh, eczema or acne or rosacea is associated with uh, problems in the microbiome. So if someone comes in with rosacea or skin problems and you know they're, uh, they don't have digestive problems, you know our treatments for those actually are giving antibiotics. But actually, which kind of kills, right? Some of the inflammatory bacteria. But the price is, is if you ever take away those antibiotics, the conditions come back worse. And what you, as opposed to actually getting a healthier microbiome. So it might not be obvious if you have something on your skin that is coming from your gut, right? Like that's not that's not the way we think, even medically. Way we, we go down. Uh, you know, the skin is my skin problem. I'm going to put some something on my skin. Um, the concept that is coming from another organ is still relatively foreign. And that's true with pain, uh, autoimmune disorders, anxiety, things like anxiety, beyond the obvious, which comes from, you know, something like being in the middle of a COVID crisis. But actually we've correlated anxiety at 90% correlation to gut inflammatory issues in the gut so sometimes it's obvious right if you have a gut problem and you have symptoms well there you are but sometimes it's not so obvious you know like skin problems or or anxiety problems that you should be looking at your gut so that's sometimes it's from the symptoms that are associated with it as well because obviously with anxiety right or skin problems if our treatment is giving you anti-anxiety drugs like benzodiazepines we those have serious addiction you know addiction issues we start using cannabis, right We have a huge cannabis issue because of anxiety. well why wouldn't we begin to look at the gut versus how, recommending you know uh, benzodiazepines or cannabis?
1: it was interesting. one of the start of the chapters in the book talked about this client that came in, well, who eventually became a client, because they walked in and and said to you, you know, I've tried these 41 antidepressants. So I'm waiting on the newest research as to what number 42 is going to be because the 42nd antidepressant that I try might be the one that actually works. And so everyone is constantly waiting for that next magic pill. And the problem was, is that you said number 42 isn't going to make any difference for you either. Let's go back, you know, and it was this battle of Are you going to do what it's going to take to make this work? And so how are you starting to convince people to look outside of taking the next pill or take two and take it three times a day and call me in the morning, you know, that you're trying to convince people to take a deeper look into the microbiome? You
0: know, it's really frustrating with the world of antidepressants is, you know, in in meta analysis, they are really, you know, in mild to moderate depression, not in severe depression, but mild to moderate depression, repeatedly they've proven to be no more effective than placebo in terms of quality of life outcomes. And we continue, I mean, from 40, literally 40 years ago, we 100% believe in the serotonin theory, right? These drugs block the reuptake of serotonin. We believe in that serotonin theory so if we believe in that theory, we should technically really understand how serotonin is metabolized and regulated and, uh, and, and handled in the brain. We now know that the microbiome is the primary organ and in, in allowing bi- uh, serotonin to actually get into the brain. So even if we believe in the serotonin theory, you have to actually technically be all over serotonin and understand the, how, it's, how it works, right? That the gut is involved in serotonin. And then for example, in young women, uh, we have controlled studies that vitamin B6 is proven in at least three controlled studies to be effective for depression. We know the activation of B6 from food sources to be activated requires the microbiome to activate it. So it's fascinating. You know, we always, it's how we're, you know, and B6 is essential to form serotonin in the brain. So even if we believe in the theory, why don't we go all the way and understand the biology or the chemistry of serotonin naturally? It doesn't make sense to me that you just are like you're waiting for number 42, but maybe there's something disrupted in the way you, if you believe, in the serotonin theory of depression, maybe you should go a little deeper into how actually the body handles, metabolizes, distributes it.
1: You mentioned serotonin. And so this, uh, I was kind of paging through things because you had this list and it's early on in the book because then you break it down, but the top eight ways your gut and your brain communicate. And so we have the vagus nerve. And so if you don't mind, I want to hit a little bit on all of these because it's it's an essential part. The vagus nerve, cortisol, neurotransmitters, which as you just mentioned, were serotonin. You have the uh, neuropeptides, so the gut hormones. You have absorption, metabolism, and activation of nutrients and minerals, sex hormone disruption, bacterial strains, and drugs like over-the-counter. So these are what you call the eight ways that there is communication. We're
0: just beginning. beginning. There's probably, you know I mean? I I just tried to say, okay, how about I find eight ways and then we'll just go from there, right? Because uh, you have to stop because every time just before I I was reading, oh, look at this, you know, this new uh, cytokine from this bacteria messes up your brain, you know, I mean, there's all these different things happening.
1: So can we can we go like, can we just just so people have an understanding? Because, you know, while we feel a different correlation, where the correlation is coming from by what's happening in the gut as to what's being triggered in the brain and to then how we respond. So let's go with the the vagus nerve. What are we referring to? What are we talking about there?
0: So the vagus nerve is a nerve that actually is a direct super highway from the brain to the gut. It's, it's a nerve going one that goes, it's a direct pathway. So we all know if we get anxious, we can get upset in our stomach, right? We all know that. That, you know, if I get nervous, I can to a certain extent I can even throw up, right? That's pretty direct. But it actually can go the other way. The actual that there's a direct super highway that goes both ways. So certain inflammatory uh, substances from bacteria in the gut can inflame the vagus nerve, so you feel anxious. So it's not just one, it's not the way that we all traditionally think. I'm anxious, therefore my gut is upset. Your gut is upset, therefore you feel anxious. So that's pretty clear. Okay, And the biggest nerve will alter your anxiety, will alter this bacteria in your gut as well. So and so so when the more anxious you are, so the more you will disrupt bacteria in your gut as well. It goes and the more disrupted your bacteria in your gut are, the more inflamed you are. So it's quite fascinating, just like exercise improves your gut bacteria.
1: Yeah, we're going to get to the solutions because I'm excited right, to get I mean, to that.
0: It's
1: yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it, it is fascinating. And then we get to the cortisol, which is, is the stress hormone. And I remember when I wasn't sleeping, when I was working the morning show and getting up at 3.30 in the morning, I always had this extra layer of, just that bloat that that extra layer, and everyone that i talked to because i was eating healthy and and you know and trying to eat right but it was that stress of the lack of sleep and stuff and it kept saying it's it's your cortisol you know and so what well, are the cortisol
0: so is it so we used to even think cortisol was just you know more stressed you are from the the more cortisol you have but actually we actually show now a tremendous it's actually what we call I was just uh, attended a lecture uh, conference called Hiding in Plain Sight, where we actually know that the, the relationship of the liver and bile regulates cortisol, which regulates the microbiome. So now you're starting to see, oh, stress affects your bile production, affects your microbiome. So it's even getting more interesting how there's, you know, how all these things are playing out. And if you're not producing bile correctly or proper bile, of course, traditionally, you see this epidemic of, you know, gallbladder problems, but that actually can be related to the actual quality of your microbiome and cortisol. So again, it's quite fascinating that you, and that gets into your sex hormones. So this relationship to liver, Bile microbiome, and your sex hormones. So it's, it's more complicated than you think, but it's actually starting to make a lot of sense that all of these things are interrelated. And, you know, is it just cortisol or is it your gut or is it your microbiome and is it your lifestyle, right? If you're weight, or is it all of them, how they interact?
1: Well, yeah, because I'm looking at it and it's like it's regulating your blood sugar levels, your metabolism, your inflammation, your memory. I mean, when we talk about brain fog, like all of this kind of trickles in.
0: So going to brain fog, right? When you say so someone would have a brain fog issue, where would you start looking? Because it's or low energy, right? These are the low energy is the number one thing that actually we pay for on, on that people see doctors for is in Ontario. It's actually low energy. Number one. But where do you start after you've ruled out the obvious, right? Things like, you know, no, your thyroid is fine. You're not anemic. You're not low in B12. You would start looking around at co- the microbiome, brain fog.
1: Where would people historically have been looking if someone comes in saying I've got low energy? What would we have been doing 20 years ago when someone well, came we in? Well, we still do it
0: today. You do a, a blood, you do a routine blood work. You're not, in, in, you know, you're not anemic maybe you checked your b12 levels maybe you've had your thyroid checked after that where do you go from a c- classic medical point of view
1: where where are people going are they getting here take this or do this prior to us understanding regulating well, our system. low
0: energy and fatigue uh, low energy and brain but low energy can be symptoms of depression so again you might wind up sliding into a, a depressive diagnosis and be offered you know, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it can be related to poor sleep, lifestyle, I mean, other things that have to be investigated. I just want the microbiome to be put on the table so as a consideration. So again, going to that person who says I have low energy, but they have, a you know, a significant digestive problems, sometimes it's hiding in plain sight. Do you know what I mean? Well, There's no risk to improving your digestive problems. Oh, and by the way, your energy goes up and your brain fog gets better. You know, you see where I'm going with this, right? It's pretty, it's not like, whereas if it, sometimes your doctor or me, when you see me, you have to do a little more detective work as to where it's going, but sometimes our detective work is, you know, and, and, and legitimately doctors, you know, if you see someone quickly for a few, you know, you do the obvious, how, how do you start beginning to go into, into the microbiome or even digestion, when honestly, uh, after you've ruled out something serious, like cancer or a bleeding ulcer, a doctor's office can probably want to be one of the most dangerous places to be with a digestive problem, because you can be prescribed a lot of very harmful drugs for your microbiome.
1: Yeah, I, I can't wait to hit on that because of, of what these drugs are that they're destroying the microbiome. I just want to hit, hit through the the rest of the eight so that people yeah. have the understanding and no, then go through it no, because right the next there. one the next one I had was the the neurotransmitters, which was the the serotonin, the dopamine, and as we said, ninety percent of serotonin is produced in the gut. That's this is so, our feel. This is no, our feel good. Like this is yeah, real good yeah, so transmitters. It,
0: it, it's not only so certain. There's certain researchers that are mapping certain species of bacteria that actually produce um, neurotransmitters, but it's actually even deeper than that, that they are actually regulating, the microbiome is regulating the bioavailability, bioavailability of neurotransmitters passing into the brain, the blood-brain barrier. So it's not only the production, it's actually the regulation. So it's actually even more, more profound than just like a, a simple chemical here we get more, it's actually regulating the actual bio, the the balance and bioavailability. It's quite like, whoa, oh, okay. whoa, oh, okay.
1: It's fascinating. And then from there, you go to the neuropeptides, which are important, especially in communicating between hunger and satiation of, you know, being able to say when you're full or when you're hungry, if that's disrupted. And yeah, so even the weight
0: regulatory, so the weight regulatory peptides like Greelin. We, we now know that and uh, insulin and all these different peptides and, and even your insulin sensitivity can be modulated and mediated through gut bacteria. So one of the most profound things for me is when I have a, a type two diabetic patient and I can now say, if you change your gut, you will see a dramatic improvement, if not reversal in your your blood sugar levels. And you can, you know, it's not controversial, you just measure your blood sugar and you see them normalize and weight normalize in these clients who have had traditional problems, losing weight. And again, it's often a different way of thinking. I had a client with diabetes who said, no, no, you got to eat fruits and vegetables. Yeah. But don't they have sugar in them? Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Measure your blood sugar, watch, take away these processed things, take your soluble, you know, all the good stuff and let's track your blood sugar and And he goes, "Oh my God, it's like going to normal like and I, this is not you know w- what's going on? This is not kind of what anyone tells me. I know I this is ridiculous.
1: We go through it, and then after those eight we kind of hit on that. you go into bacterial strains, but you hit on magnesium and iron in there as well. So what effect are those those having, especially too in our absorption or being able to metabolize these these minerals?
0: So I did have. Um, I just did one on Instagram, IGTV on this, um, iron. I, I spent, uh, you know, I was um, a, a, a geek at the University of Toronto. I did iron, with with a radio pharmacist measuring, you know, not working on radios, but radioactive compounds that you would attach to substances for diagnostic or therapeutic or research purposes. And I would tag iron and we could track it in each other. And I wrote a paper on how iron is absorbed and handled. And I thought I knew everything about the absorption of iron, what type of iron to use. I designed an iron that is still used by like mid- all the midwives of Toronto. I thought like I was the iron guru. And then you start working on the and, and you know, and then you, but you still had people over the years, usually women, who you just never could get their iron levels up, right? They're always and they would be told, "Well, I guess you're low in iron. That's just the way you are." And it's a big deal, right? If you're always low in iron, because it affects your your ability to act. Maybe not, um, but it can affect your immune system, your energy levels, your time, your ability to to exercise. Well, when you improve the microbiome, literally, iron levels jump like crazy. Into almost independent of the type of iron you're using so you, it's almost like you take all those years of me being the chemistry only iron guy to going well if you have always been low in iron before i start giving you fancy iron you have to improve your iron your microbiome because that energizes the absorptive capacity of your gut it's literally the it powers up the way you absorb nutrients a healthy microbiome and all and then you see iron levels you know power up higher than you've ever seen so it's quite something that I thought I knew so much about
1: right but if you were at this point trying to give the iron where are they finding this other place to be able to get the iron for that microbiome like you were saying by those changes what changes are you referring to
0: well, by, for example, improving soluble fiber in the diet will probably have as profound a difference as taking, but or, or it will improve iron absorption, um, improving uh, if there's inflammation in the bowel, improving that. So improving the bacterial structure. So it's regular microbiome improvement will improve iron absorption as opposed to just Piling in more and more iron of different types.
1: So, saying that through medicine, through taking in the iron that way, or, and so I'm assuming then that's by foods. Um, When you're talking about
0: food, it's hard to get foods. You know, I mean, if a woman is menstruating, she needs 30 milligrams of iron a day. Um, If she's not eating enough meat, then, which is very common, then that might be hard to do. But even then, you know, if if she's even, it's what I'm saying is, is that if I talk like a chemist, then I will say you need so many milligrams of iron a day. You have so many milligrams in your diet. You're short. Therefore, I have here take this iron supplement. You will do better. What I'm saying today is that may be true, but what is the status of your microbiome? Oh, it's poor. You may not need to supplement as much with iron with a healthier, with a healthier gut. You will still see your iron levels jump even when if you have an unhealthy microbiome. So that's, okay. to, is what it, before it was going pure chemistry, right? That's right. all I mean. It was all, you're low in iron, you need iron. Here you go. You have an iron def, You you know, you have an iron gap between what, you know, I talk about this a lot, right, Um, you know, fiber gap, uh, B6 gap, you have a gap between what you're taking in your diet and what you should actually, you need to build up your iron levels. So if you have an iron gap, traditionally, we would only give you supplemental iron. Today, I think we see more often that you still may need to do it, but you may need to use a lot less or maybe not at all with a healthier gut. It makes sense.
1: It really does. There's going to be two topics that I want to hit on and spend time on. One is going to be um, antibiotics um, and what it does to our microbiome. And the second one is going to be hitting on the hormones. Because I know Suzanne Summers actually wrote a a wonderful forward, and she was a a big part um, of where it was that you went years ago and has continued to be a great supporter of yours. It's funny. I actually went on an antibiotic. I actually had root canal n- done a while ago and I actually had to be on an antibiotic. And I think because I'm, my system is not used to having many foreign things in it. My entire system reacted like nothing, nothing felt good taking those antibiotics. And it wasn't until maybe like three, four days in that I just felt so off being on this. What was, happening like what happens when we take the antibiotics as it's going through our system
0: well it's devastating to your microbiome it really mows down you know think of a lawn it just kills all the grass almost kills all the grass um or suppress them depending on the antibiotic you're using but you know it's it's very devastating to the microbiome and of course species um and bugs that are more resistant to that antibiotic will now fill up, fill in the gaps, and kind of dominate, right? So it's it can be quite devastating to your microbiome,
1: period. So what, okay, so then what's happening? I know oftentimes we hear that when we take an antibiotic, we need to be taking a probiotic. So it's just the counterbalance of adding in the good bacteria to ward off the bad, what's your take on that? If we have to take the antibiotics? Yeah, so, so if,
0: if you we've just proven for example if you take um, a probiotic while you're taking an antibiotic you'll prevent uh, diarrhea you'll prevent some of the gastrointestinal side effects of the antibiotics so it's really a good idea to take probiotics while you're taking an antibiotics to mitigate the effects of of the antibiotic that's just the way it is the you're also trying to to um, to seed and maintain healthy structures in the bowel, kind of even though they're getting mowed down. You're really trying to maintain, you know, new, you know, healthy structures so that you can recover quicker after you know the, the antibiotic is suppressed.
1: Yeah, it wasn't really my, uh, the gut system. It it seemed like everything else. It's, it's amazing. I, I I just, I reflected on it because it was just such a change into how I, how I, I normally felt. But the thing is, is that people are still very much, they have something, there's a pill that's going to fix it. And when people come in and they go through your experience, it's, it's breaking down everything. So what is happening when someone walks in? to NutriCam and says, I usually get prescribed this or I'm taking this and I've been taking this for 10 years and nothing seems to be changing. What are you doing? What are you testing to be able to understand what is happening in the body so that you can start focusing on making the microbiome better? Because I think I learned through the book, like there are four different sections almost right to it. And if one of them is off, it's nothing's really working well.
0: Well, you know, I mean, just I'll explain. I'll go to that but I mean just perspective you know I mean here you're healthy I mean and you're taking something now you're more we're even having a discussion about antibiotics think about my life where people would literally be taking and uh, taking truckloads of antibiotics for anything that were wasn't even like colds and viruses that they didn't they didn't work, right? Like, and so now you're ta- now you're at least aware that you're taking something for an infection. That's a big deal to me. Like, so, you know, it's it's so f- much better than at least saying, oh, should I take a probiotic? Well, yeah, it's proven to mitigate the side effects of taking an antibiotic, They're, like, that's so nice. And you're, and you're using an antibiotic for something that it should be used for. I mean, that's kind of nice be having that conversation for the first time, right? So it's kind of nice. And people are more cautious. You know, it used to be, you know, I'm going, I went to a doctor and he didn't give me anything. What a bad doctor. Now it's like, you really think you should give me this antibiotic doctor? You know what I mean? It's changed. You know, that's really positive. Um, Now, in terms of what, when someone comes to see me, obviously, you know, we, we have, we have some great doctors But of course, like anything, we all tend to be, you know, as people get sicker and sicker, they tend to go down their own silo, right? If it's a skin doctor, the skin doctor silo. If it's a, um, you a you know, brain, mental health, down the mental health silo. If it's a heart down each, we go down each of, we go deeper and deeper and often it gets down that. So my job, first of all, is to look at all the drugs and the things they're doing and saying, you know, this drug can cause like these drugs that you're taking for a, your gut we may not be ad- addressed by the doctor that's looking after your brain. You know what I mean? So my first thing is to look, you know, look at the whole picture. And then ultimately, I believe not believe, the evidence is is that that root cause issues come of from the microbiome first. So you're always having you're always looking for digestive health as a primary issue in virtually any any issue, if it's not been looked at. And then you're looking at other obvious things like iron. You know, Sometimes I have people that have had mental health issues who've never had their iron measured, for example, and they've been deficient in iron or low in thyroid or other chemistries that they've been deficient in. And then you're putting, and then hormones, you brought that up, yes, absolutely. Hormones can play a role. Cortisol, thyroid functions, testosterone levels, and all of these systems interact. So it's so it's really about looking globally at the whole thing versus like you gave the first example, someone coming in with 41, you know, and I'm not exaggerating sometimes, you know, 20 different antidepressants hoping number 22 would be the answer versus saying, oh my God, your digestive system is very unhealthy. You know, and, and it goes to claim, you know, um, you can't claim that, that someone's improving someone's digestive problem will fix all their mental health issues. You can absolutely claim that having an unhealthy digestive system has proven to be associated with more mental health issues, period. You see, it's, it's subtle, but a very important.
1: It is, it's subtle, but if it's going to have that much of a domino effect on every other aspect of your health, why wouldn't you start there?
0: You're right, and, but a lot of the reason is why I wrote the book. You might not get support for it, right? You know, you went to this kook who you have had years of mental health issues, who's trying to solve your digestive problems. What does that have to do? Or serious pain. You know, I'd have people who, you know, uh, one of my... Um, one of my speakers uh, that is going to be at my book launch came with severe, severe pain issues. And, and she was dying with the amount of narcotics and opioids that were being prescribed to her. And I started off by dealing with her digestive problems, right? So you, can you imagine without support that you're, she's coming to a guy who's helping her in her her digestive system had shut down with the opioids. So, but here I am focusing on digestion without focusing on the pain. You see what I'm saying? It seems, it seems cuckoo if you think about it.
1: Well, it could, but if she's been on that many years of narcotics and opioids and is in desperate like chronic inflammation and pain, I think at one point you get to to say, I can't carry on doing it this way. So yeah, it's see, almost like the bottom line, like no, it's like, okay.
0: I'm like the last resort, but why wouldn't your digestive health be something that's considered, in, and, and literally, and even that was for me, Quite like, you know, sometimes you hit these individuals with like pain or addiction that are so dramatic, that it's just almost like, it's almost like breathtaking, which, which is still amazing to me that the body in even the most extreme situations, the microbiome, nature wants to be healthy and just needs to be nudged that way, you know, it's not about perfection. It's about amazing when you do some things right, how quickly the body will want to be healthy. It's, it's kind of beautiful.
1: Well, it is. And that's the nudge, I think, that sometimes you need. And your nudge is about a 30-day nudge. When people come in, they've got about a 30-day, like, you know, cursing your name and uh, hating what you're saying. And, you know, it's difficult. And and because you're, the first answer is going to be you're going to take certain things out or you're going to be adding certain things in, especially but, when it you comes know to diet.
0: So, you know, you're right. I'm only doing short-term nudge. Now, you know, back in the past, you know, I observed that people, this is like 30 years ago, The people taking gluten out of their diet, would, it would improve things. And I thought it was very, like I was thinking reductionist, meaning ah oh, maybe it's a food that's messing up people. And so I was part of that kind of group that was taking out dairy and gluten and, and stuff like that. Today, I, everyone who comes in, going to your point, will leave with being able to eat more food not less food. I think it's a failure to be more food restrictive uh, than forcing people to be restrictive because really food restriction is a symptom of an unhealthy microbiome. You see the difference? One is saying, oh, uh, you know, and, and yeah, it, it, all these diets that I, ex- you know, people are suffering. So I tried uh, very innovative diets or variations of carb restrictions, uh, specific carbohydrate diets, low FODMAP diets, gluten, dairy, and and people responded. But people would be stuck on these things for long term because that's the only thing that semi-helped them. Now I just think, no, that's just a symptom of an unhealthy microbiome. You have to be, should be able to eat more foods.
1: Okay, so how then are you then adding things in to be able to heal the microbiome? Because what you're saying is that we have an ability to heal it. We have an ability to make it balanced so that everything is functioning as it should be with all of the quadrillion, you know, micro, like, what are they called? Like germs, bacteria, whatever it is that we have that's shooting up to our brain and telling our brain that we're healthy and we're managing in all the right places. So what are you giving us? Like, what are you saying you need to now add in or what? what does the uh, microbiome it, affect? Like what, what does it, what does it like to see there? That's going to make it go, well, Oh, I, this feels part, good.
0: Sometimes. And, and again, I just did another, you know, I, I did this uh, little podcast calling my, my Rocky relationship with fiber. So, okay. <laughs> so fiber is like the superfood of a healthy microbiome. And, for the last 30 years ago, I would hand people fiber who had, you know, digestive problems because I was taught that, you know, it's important in most Canadians, we have a fiber gap, right? Most can the majority by like not every Canadian doesn't give it enough fiber according to the food guides. So I would give people supplemental fiber. But one third of them would say, you're I'm a superhero. Like, you know, I'm the best thing in the world. One third would have no problem. No problems, but another third would tell me I'm trying to kill them. Like what you know, more gas and bloating and problems. Their life has turned them to hell since I gave them this fiber. And and so guess what you'd wind up doing? You wouldn't give fiber to people because you can't have one third of your clients hating you, right? So you can't you can't function. But that didn't it didn't make sense to me, right? Like, why is it so good? Why is so many people have bad problems? So the reason for that is their, their gut bacteria and bowels are inflamed. They have too many weeds in their lawn, right? Their lawn is full of weeds, and if you go and water it with like soluble fiber or water, you're gonna grow more weeds, right? That's pretty straightforward. So going to your point, and what if those weeds are inflaming the lawn and it's literally on fire? Now your lawn's burning, there's weeds growing, and you're going, oh, I'm gonna go throw some fuel on, you know, some fuel on the fire, right? It's gonna go crazy. So you have to actually just go in order sometimes, depending on the severity. You have to heal the gut, you ha- and what we do, how do we do that? Well, there's different, we have, there's different polyphenolics that we use, which are prebiotic fibers, that are proven to reduce inflammation they improve the certain the, the uh this clostridia cluster 4 acromansia layer that actually put energy into the bowel they they heal the tight junctions so you get all the all those leaking and infl- so they calm things down so you calm the thing first we might use testing to actually see what kind of bugs are inflaming the gut? Are there some more very resistant fungi or bugs that are hard to get rid of? So we might have to do some weeding with some herbs that actually have, will help bring these down. We, we defuel the inflammation in the short term with a restrictive diet with the, you know, that kind of stop feeding the inflammatory bugs because guess what? The bugs that really are most disruptive love processed sugars, you know, refined sugars, crappy foods. They just grow like crazy on that stuff. And and so you're kind of just doing an obvious calm the thing down, heal the thing. And then when you're in great, and then some probiotics, specific kinds that actually can work against the bugs that are inflaming you and start to heal and repair the good structures of your gut. And then when you're healthy, pound away the fiber to maintain it. Pound it. That's the you're, never, you're, you're not going to f- fall back with soluble fiber, whether it's from your diet or supplementing. It's just amazing, you know? So it's just yeah. sort of a weed, seed, calm it down, and feed. And that's why I'm saying that bowel now is not so restrictive.
1: Right, because... It's funny, right? Some people would have that reaction. I'm not doing the fiber, it hurts, it makes things worse. Exactly. You know, and so they give it up and then they just go back to feeling kind of miserable going, well, fiber's not my issue. It actually makes it feel worse. But what I think and what I want people to listen to is the more um so say they are dealing with something and then you're adding in the weeds and the weeds are growing and then you're adding in more stuff and so everything's getting bogged down. What I want people to understand is the more of the weeds and things that aren't working right In the microbiome, nothing is getting through. The pathways aren't getting through to the brain to make them feel
0: right. You're not taking advantage of all those healthy structures because those those weeds are inflammatory. They'll inflame your nervous system. We little you'll get more pain syndromes. They'll inflame your skin. We get more heart inflammation. Cholesterol levels rise. When those, I mean, imagine, you know, your cholesterol levels will rise with that inflammation. You're, you get more inflammation in the brain. It's, you get more inflammation in your body. I mean, personally, when I started doing this many years ago, it was like, I thought I would do this myself. And it blew my mind, first of all, how hard it was. I mean, literally how my brain was addicted to all this junk that I thought know, I didn't have any digestive issues. I just thought I'd do it. And it was incredibly hard, but I played a lot of tennis and sports and I thought I was just getting old guy inflammation. My inflammation dropped like 90% when I shifted in my joints, when I shifted my microbiome. I mean, I wasn't even aware of my own issues with with, uh, my microbiome. It was like, what?
1: I read that. That was a fun one with you thinking yeah. that you could play tennis with the young kids and then you'd be inflamed for a couple of days. Um, when you were talking about this stuff, uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about leaky gut. Where in all of this does leaky gut come so into play? Leaky gut
0: just happens when your bowel is inflamed. That's all. It's in it. it's just a symptom of inflammation in your bowel. When you when you're starving, those those cells lining your bowel, um, they just they they just they lose the the, the tight junctions. Um, they lose the, en- so the, the energy of those t- cells come from these things called short chain fatty acids, which actually come from specific bacteria with soluble fibers. So your microbiome literally triggered, creates super energy packets for the, the crucial cells lining your bowel. And when they're healthy and strong there's, they, they, their, your immune system is working right. That's the they actually have regulating your immune system, their immune system, regulatory cells. They don't let junk get into your body. They reduce inflammatory cytokines. Your, your immune system is regulated. You absorb nutrients correctly. You power the muscular wall correctly. So it's really coming from the microbiome that, so leaky gut is just another word for, Oh, an unhealthy microbiome within either missing bacteria or missing soluble fiber, or you've got some pathogens that you've grown over time that are kind of uh, growing in sheets all over the lining of your gut, right? So that's a, it's just another word for for not optimal health. You don't know.
1: I don't know, but sometimes we just hear buzzwords, right? There, there's that's
0: a, a good buzzword because it's something you can picture. I, sometimes I, I'm reluctant to use a my, a buzzword, but sometimes people go, if I go, blah, 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 blah. And they go leaky gut. Oh, go. Okay. Now I got it. Okay. Yeah. You got a leaky gut.
1: Oh, okay. You got a leaky gut, you know? All right. A lot of, uh, another buzzword for, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm entering into true. that, but we talked about, it yeah, true. yes, no, but let's go to hormones. Uh, where do hormones come into play here? Uh, I mentioned Suzanne Summers wrote the forward for this because we're talking about bioidentical hormones and hormone replacements and synthetic hormones where kind of go through your take and how this applies and why that subject was integral for this book
0: well it's like evolutionary right so years ago all women were given hormones so that's one of the benefits of being around a long time is that you see all this stuff right every woman was given a horse's hormone Estrogen and a synthetic progesterone, and and doctors were taught, and pharmacists, if you don't give a hormone to a uh, an, an older woman, you're a bad doctor or pharmacist. <laughs> then it went to the other side, which is actually, oh my God, these things could be dangerous. Don't give them to anybody. Which so today we actually have this science. We know that actual. Um human, you know, and, and why would, why did we give cooked up horses and synthetic progestins to women when we have, we didn't, why we didn't give their own hormones to them? Today, we've proven that a woman's own hormones, estrogens and progesterone, are not associated with cancer and that synthetic progestins or the pharmaceutically cooked up progestins actually are, so is, are the issues associated with cancer. So we, and, and all medical societies agree that women are being offered all kinds of therapies like antidepressants, bone building drugs, cholesterol medications, all, all sleeping pills, um, all kinds of stuff when actually hormones are more appropriate and safer. So that's sort of the medical background of that. That being said, that being said, we're dealing with an epidemic, of uh, PMS, endometriosis, infertility, something is going on with the way hormone, with our hormones in terms of how they're being handled because we're getting more hormonal related problems in men and women. Men's testosterone levels are falling. What is going on? So... What fascinatingly, the microbiome, the bacteria in your gut are intimately involved in estrogen and, t- and estrogen metabolism. What does that mean? It means an unhealthy microbiome will not only recirculate estrogens, it'll actually make more dangerous and potent and carcinogenic and potentially carcinogenic estrogens. So what does that mean? What it means is that if a woman or a young woman particularly comes to me with a variety of disorders that are shown to be related to an imbalance of estrogen and progesterone, that may be caused by a dis- dysfunction in the microbiome. And I've observed in the literature starting to support that improvements to the microbiome improve symptoms of PMS, perimenopause, infertility, you, you see where I'm going, endometriosis. So you're into this, this world where all of a sudden you're going, what's happened to the world where we're getting, you know, all these issues that, you know, we didn't change our genes in one generation. What has happened to the environment? Is it something out there? But actually it's something inside us that's changed with the chemicals and antibiotics and structures that we've been changing. So today, I'm actually less prone, you know, I still recommend hormones, but it's actually going, well, no, I won't give you hormones until you've improved your microbiome first. It's actually, I'm the, I I don't give hormones as often because I'm more, for just those symptoms. So in PMS, I used to only recommend progesterone. Today I'm going, no, no, improve your gut and you won't need hormones in a young woman, right? That makes so much sense. It's so much more natural, and it's effective.
1: Okay. And Kent, I love all this information. But I know that my listeners right now are going, okay, so I get this. It's all going through the microbiome. Everything's going to come back to that. But the main question is, how do I fix it? What am I like, because you're not going to prescribe a pill for it. So where is, where is the shift coming from? How do we start making the changes to get ourselves on track to be able to create that envi- that healthy environment within our gut?
0: You know, so the, the <laughs> first thing in male, let's go to the end of the road okay. and then come backwards. Okay. Health microbiome. Like, so the Canada food guide recommends 38 grams per day of fiber for a male and 25 grams per day for a female. So I recommend that every, to maintain a healthy microbiome, you follow that Canada Food Guide recommendations and you look at them and you assess realistically if you're not getting them. If you have a huge fiber gap, then you supplement with soluble fiber. And there's many different ones that we recommend. Okay,
1: wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I want you to wait for me. Okay, give me off the top of your head, five ways on that, how many grams we need, what can people right now purchase, consume, or make to get that intake up?
0: So it's difficult, right? To go <laughs> and it's difficult. That's why I mean, they're, they're, that's what I'm saying. You can look at the candidate, but it's hard because uh, you know a whole apple may have two grams of soluble fiber and you need you know 25 grams, 20, of five right. grams of whole fiber. Uh, you have to have grains in your diet, diet. so if you're restricting glutens or, or or you're leaving less grains in your diet, immediately you're not going to be meeting the Canada Food Guide for Soluble Fibers, so um, so there are better fruits and vegetables that have more fiber. Pears are the highest fiber-containing con- fruit. Uh, beans are the one of the highest-containing fiber, so a pear is four grams. Per pair, you know, versus two grams of these, but it's still hard to reach. So then you're into using supplemental soluble fiber, and honestly, you know, the the, I recommend different ones: Um, Gastogard, Fiberific, um, Benefibers. All these are different fibers that are all soluble fibers, and you know, now we're getting deep you can go a little deeper and that's why you have to know about fiber. You know, there's soluble and insoluble fiber. So, you know, we could have a whole podcast just on my favorite fiber topic. I mean,
1: yes. But you well, see, we're going,
0: so I'm going backwards. So you need, right. One, okay. Wait, wait, Can't tolerate fiber.
1: Okay. But when you say soluble, is it like, we're just throwing like uh, a scoop into a glass of water? Yeah, is that, I mean, okay. So that's, mean, that's what you mean so by that.
0: If you throw in like a tablespoon of gastro you're now getting the equivalent, let's say of, uh, seven or eight apples it's like crazy like you can immediately and there's some oligosaccharides like ZOS that's super potent uh in capsules where you're getting a gain they're equivalent to much more so you can get like the equivalent of seven or eight fruits in in like a, in three capsules so it's kind of cool that we have that technology but i always like to be cautious saying please. If you want to try and do it from food, do it, but be realistic. know, I mean, well, I'm not really, I don't get enough in a day. I, I mean, I chomp stuff all the time, but if you do the numbers, 38 grams, it's just not happening, man. So I supplement. Now, that's what you need to go from there. I Then I recommend a general probiotic. Okay, that's your maintenance. I think the evidence is very clear in terms of even probiotics, your immune system, probiotics in your... And you're, you know, so here's a probiotic that I recommend. That's your basic maintenance. What if that doesn't work in terms of improving all your symptoms or you can't tolerate it, then it means you see how I'm going backwards with this. I'm following recommendations. If you can't tolerate it or it doesn't work, then you may have to do a little more work. And and can you sort it out on your own? Yes. I would probably do a quick modified paleo diet for 30 days, right? A modified paleo diet is, is a microbiome quick shift, quick my- and that's where you take out dairy and gluten, processed foods, grains, all grains and legumes, 30 days. And then if you aren't in a new situation, then it's and you still think it's related to your gut then absolutely you it's, it's worthwhile to set up appointments and then we start figuring out where to go from there because you you can spend a lot of time fiddling around with this thing but if it's really relevant you may have to do a little bit more deeper investigation and work that's that's but that's a good basic
1: start. That's a good base point. And are you checking stool, blood? What are you looking for when uh, uh, someone is coming to you and supplementation and meeting all of the requirements of fiber and and proteins that all of that's balanced? I
0: think it's a microbiome problem. And again, I believe in the future, you know, the assessment of the microbiome will be as basically important as your routine blood work, right? It's just that crucial that, okay, we've done your your CBC and your thyroid and a microbiome check. So, what's a microbiome check? Well, the, 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 we can do urine, which looks at different uh, metabolites that can come from inflamed bacteria. There's stools testing for the for the different structures of the gut. E- each of them have limitations because you know even in the best stool test, you're only looking at. 400 uh, species of bacteria in a microbiome that has 10,000 species. So it's tricky, right? It's, it's, you're looking, it's like looking at a rainforest, which can have like thousands and thousands of species and say, you can only pick uh, you know, a uh, hundred species in the rainforest to see if that's a healthy rainforest. So what do you do? You pick some of the major structures you might find in a rainforest and see if they're present, depleted or whatever is going on. So there, it's evolving, let's put it that way. So every, everything has limitations. But actually what I just said to you is how do you respond to soluble fiber? What, what, does, what problems do you have that are proven to be associated with microbiome? And do you feel better after a microbiome reset diet for a few weeks? If, sometimes it can be that simple.
1: Okay. So would it be that simple and that a person feels less bloating, less stomach pain, more energy, less fatigue, less anxiety, you know, right. not as depressive. I mean, can it really be that within a 30 day of doing a reset and, 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 you know, adding some of these things in that you feel that much of a difference, or at least after 30 days, you're at least feeling better to at least keep going.
0: You know, I think an example of this is, is always the extreme. Um, I remember a woman with severe pain issues, a fibromyalgia pain, and she had severe digestive issues, and she was sensitive to everything in the world, every drug, she couldn't tolerate anything. I said, all right, I, you know what, I wanna, I don't wanna, you know, and she was very, 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 how shall I say it, very reluctant to try anything because she'd reacted to everything. So, I, so you know what, I'm just gonna give you a diet, no dairy, no gluten, no junk food. That's it for, for two weeks. She called me every day saying her pain is much worse. She can't do it. I'm hurting her. I'm hurting her. And I'm saying, do you understand that what you're telling me is supporting my position that as you kill off and, and don't feed the inflammatory bacteria, they're, they're creating messaging to you. That you should continue to eat the junk food and dairy and gluten. I'm right, the more trouble you're having with pain. But she couldn't get, you know, think. I said, and I said, logically, think about it. You can't, I can't make you worse by taking junk food out of your diet, right? And sugars. But she felt physiologically terrible by removing those junk foods. The point I'm making is, would, would. We daily calls to her still couldn't convince her that she was doing the right thing to remove junk food from her diet. But do you, know, but I will tell you that people that have gone through that grief have had dramatic relief on the other side. But you see the challenge, right? It's almost the opposite kind of, so it, can that make a difference? Yes, you can rechange study after study we have thousands of studies now you can change your microbiome in two weeks that's that's like you will get a new gut structure in two weeks I kind of do 30 days because all of us kind of aren't perfect you know no one's perfect but that's a great example of how difficult it can be to change a gut structure and without support from anyone around her like her doctors or family or whatever, what do you, why are you suffering, not taking, you know, there. he must be wrong. I go, no, I'm very right. By the fact that you not eating junk food is, is making things so much worse. Quite fascinating, isn't it?
1: It is. And because I'm looking at the time and I've done way over, can I, can as parents, How quickly can we monitor how we're feeding and how we're doing this with our children to realize that we're getting them off to the right start of having healthy microbiomes to give them the best starting point um, as they... You know, and and
0: great news about kids, you know, the great news about kids, some is they they respond faster and more aggressively than adults do. But uh, yeah, and a lot of the challenges with the microbiomes of kids are all the hidden attacks on the, the microbiome and you're born literally with the microbiome of your mother or in a C-section case, the microbiome of the hospital, which actually gives you a lot more risk for immune system problems and eczema and stuff like that.
1: No, I found that was interesting, actually, the, the the chapter on on what kids get through the vaginal canal as they're coming out, and the lack of it for those that are born through C-section. That was also really interesting. In fact, there's a lot of really inf- great information in the book. And so it's finally out. How does it feel? Like, I mean, is, is, this is 35 years worth of uh, kind of work coming together on this. Is it, is it nice to finally see it out?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just, it, you know, I just... I think I just had the, you know, You sometimes you write a book because you just got to do it one way or the other. You just got to say, you know, and, and it's almost like uh, sometimes I talk to people in this world, you know, because I come from the medical side. I'm going, this is just unbelievable because it's not even in your mind when you're, when you're taught as a doctor or a pharmacologist, right, that this is a big deal. And on the other side, you know, there's a whole group of people who actually go, you know, I should really eat well and uh, not use many drugs and chemicals because I think it's not a good idea. I mean, but they're right, you know what I mean? It's 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 sort of that bridge is what I'm saying, is that we all have to, we're all in the same boat.
1: Yeah, but to be able to cross that bridge to say I'm not gonna look for the next pill, that hasn't really made a change in years and and decades of taking this medication, that maybe there's something else. And the fact that the medication at the same time, it's a, it's a catch 22 could be the thing that's damaging the microbiome in the first place to kind of keep the cycle going. And I think that's also where the mindset needs to be is like, it's, you're in a vicious cycle.
0: You know, we all want to be simple answers, right? we want to go to one professional like your doctor and have him, be the the top the guy fixing all my issues and the reality is there you know I I know how they think that's how I'm trained but you're thinking in in a you're not thinking in terms of the biology you're you you're thinking in terms of the, the chemistry of that drug the biology and that's why I use the word biology the biology is what we're all involved with right that ecosystem of that's inside us and the ecosystem that's outside of us. We—that's something we all know and can can relate to.
1: So I want people to know the book is actually going to be out. We got the big launch, uh, which is happening on Thursday. So the podcast is coming out in the morning, and then we've got the Facebook Live launch. And I know I can't believe it. I, I think there's like almost a thousand people ready to go for this uh, by the time we get to Thursday. So it's it's really quite exciting. But also Nutricam, you have this brand new, beautiful state-of-the-art facility. I went for for a tour. It's, like, Kent, it is remarkable what you have done, and I think for those that believe and are looking at this in their preventative health, it is making such a change for people.
0: I know. it's Well, I mean, when you say writing the book, I did build this 11,000-square-foot NAFRA facility in the middle of all this, so it's certainly it's, we've been very busy, and I have, but I did it because, you know what, I have an amazing team, an amazing team working for me, you know, so that's pretty exciting.
1: No, it is. Okay, looking forward to that. People can find more information at NutriCam. Uh, just head to the website. And then, of course, the again, the book is called Biology of the Brain, How Your Gut Microbiome Affects your brain, uh, from Kent McLeod. You've got the forward by Suzanne Summers, lots of great information. And the best thing is just to order the book through the, through the store as well. So you've got lots of access to it. Kent's looking forward to the Facebook live and the official book launch. We've got lots of people joining us uh, later today. Uh, and to all of the listeners, thank you so much. And if you know people who are struggling, honestly, share the podcast, share this information and take a good look at what it is that you've got coming into your system and how your gut's been reacting to it and, uh, and kind of see maybe where some of those changes can be made. Kent, thank you so much. And uh, always a pleasure to chat.
0: All right. Thank you, Leanne. Bye.
1: Thanks so much. Once again, that's another episode of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will
0: lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is you don't need any vacation time for this adventure